earlier is that at the conclusion of the main message, we're going to have a communion service today. Now our communion service is open to all believers. You don't have to be a member of the church. <laughs> you have to believe in Jesus Christ, that he's your savior. And uh, as you come up to the table here, if you haven't done it before, uh, there'll be a piece of bread that you'll take and then a cup filled with the fruit of the vine, as the uh, Bible calls it. It's non-alcoholic, it's grape juice, but it represents the body and blood of Jesus Christ. So at the proper time, we invite all to come forward. Well, uh, we have a sermon message today, and we are going through a series of sermons on what is known as the Beatitudes. It's the beginning of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter five. And as he began his sermon, he is explaining in eight brief statements the characteristics of someone who belongs to the kingdom of God. And if you have accepted Jesus as your savior, you are now in the kingdom of God. Uh, we don't see the kingdom in all its fullness yet. When Jesus returns, we will. He's gonna set up his rulership over the whole earth. And uh, so now he's talking about those that are in the kingdom as of now, believers, his followers, and some of the attributes they should display in their life. In uh, Matthew 5, verse 3, he started off by saying, blessed are the poor in spirit. And what he meant with, by that is, blessed are those who realize in their heart of hearts that they can't get through this life and this world alone. Uh, they realize that there's a hole in their life someplace, and that hole is to be filled by God and being in a relationship with God in your life. And that makes a lot of things better for you, to have God with you, working with you, helping you along the way. So if you are poor in spirit, you realize that you need God in your life, theirs is the kingdom of heaven, he said. And then the second beatitude, we talked about it last week, blessed are those who mourn. So Jesus' followers should mourn. What should they mourn? Well, first of all, the conditions in the world. I think all we have to do is sit down and watch the evening news, and you know what you need to mourn about, that this world is not God's world. And there are a lot of things that Jesus is going to change when he returns. And when we look at the, the world, we realize this is not God's world. We long for God's world. We mourn for all the suffering going on in the world. The war in Ukraine, the terrible crime that we now see in each of our cities, the homelessness. So he said, blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. And most of our comfort comes through the Holy Spirit which we all have if we have accepted Jesus as our savior. So the third beatitude that we'll talk about today, blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Imagine that, inheriting the earth. Now that hasn't happened yet, that will happen in the future again after Jesus returns. The Greek word for meek this is the way we should be in our lives now. The Greek word for meek means mildness, gentleness, a spirit of humility. Now think about your life as I think about mine. 
Is this what we see in our lives as Christians, first and foremost? Mildness, gentleness, a spirit of humility. Those are synonyms for meekness. What are the antonyms? Now, a synonym means a word that means the same thing as meekness. An antonym is something that is the opposite of meekness. And again, think about your life. Here are some. Arrogance, that's the opposite of meekness. Conceit, pride, combativeness, (laughs) haughtiness, aggressiveness, craftiness. I dare say, you know, early on, maybe before we were called, we were more of the negative than we were the positive. But once we accept Jesus as our Savior and God begins to transform us, he is trying to bring out this attitude, these attributes of meekness in our lives. Now, sometimes people think, well, meekness, that sounds like weakness. Well, it doesn't mean that in spiritual terms, because as we're going to see, Jesus admitted that he was meek. But he demonstrated attitudes of forgiveness toward us, patience with us, and all those things that we so appreciate from our Lord and Savior. Turn with me to uh, Philippians chapter 2 and verse 6. Now, meekness really models the humility of Jesus. This passage by the Apostle Paul describes Jesus and what he went through when he came down to earth to be our Savior. Remember, he was the Son of God in heaven at the right right hand of his Father, and what did he agree to do? He agreed to become incarnated, to come down to this earth to become one of us. Now that requires a lot of humility, a lot of patience. He didn't have to do that, but he chose to do it. Paul says in Philippians 2, verse 6, Jesus, being in very nature God, so he is the Son of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing. You know, compared to God and who he is, coming down to this earth to be born as a little baby in the town of Bethlehem, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant and being made in human likeness and being found in appearance as a man, he humbles himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death of the cross. So why would God want to find himself in human form hanging on a cross? He humbled himself to do that. That perfectly describes his meekness. He knew that by going on that cross and being put to death, it was for a great purpose. It was to bring about the forgiveness of the sins of the whole world. And he accomplished that. So God didn't have to lower himself to this level to do that, but he did it willingly. And that describes perfectly his meekness. He was the ultimate example of meekness by doing that. By coming down to this earth to become one of us and then to suffer and die for our sins. Now, when Jesus said, blessed are the meek, many think that he had in mind at that time a psalm. Let's turn to Psalm 37. Because this is something that David wrote 
centuries earlier, and it talks about meekness. In fact, Jesus said basically the same thing that David said here. In Psalm 37, verse 11, David wrote, but the meek will inherit the land. And this word for land can also be rendered earth. So these are the same words that Jesus repeated. The meek will inherit the, the earth and enjoy great peace. So in this whole chapter here, Psalm 37, David has a lot more to say about this attitude of meekness that we're to have. We're coming to understand what it means to be meek in our lives and not aggressive and not conceited and not prideful like the world is, but God wants us to be, to be meek. Notice in verse 9 of Psalm 37, David describing a meek person, he says, refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. So, we're to turn away from wrath, we're to turn away from anger. It says verse nine, for evil men will be cut off, but those who hope in the Lord, also translated, those who trust in the Lord will inherit the land. So to be meek, to eventually inherit the earth, along with Jesus Christ, we need to be people who hope in the Lord, who trust in the Lord. So, a lot of times, if your friends, your coworkers, find out that you trust in the Lord, if you have your hope in God, they'll kind of make fun of you, ridicule you, persecute you, uh, but we have to stand steadfast in our trusting in God. No matter what we're going through in this life, no matter what dangers we see around us in this world, we trust in God. And those of you who have been Christians for a while, you trust in God because you know that he won't let you down. He has never forsaken you. He's promised never to forsake you. He's going to see you through any trial that you face. God doesn't promise that he's going to remove every trial that we have to go through. But while we're going through it, whether it's a health problem, whether it's a relationship problem with your family members or friends, a financial problem, whatever the case may be, God will be with us through it. He'll strengthen us along the, the way and help us to learn whatever lessons he has in store for us or he intends for us to learn. So meekness involves hoping in the Lord, trusting in the Lord, and waiting on the Lord. And sometimes trials take their time, don't they? And we pray, God, <laughs> rescue me from this, you know, uh, solve it for me. And sometimes we set our timetable for God to answer that, and God's timetable is his own. And his timing is always perfect. And we've always struggled, we've, we've all struggled through trials that we wish would end soon, but they had to run their course according to God's will and purpose in our life. As we look through uh, this psalm here, as David is talking about meekness, he has more to say. We'll begin here in verse 5. Psalm 37, verse 5, we'll read verses 5 through 8. This is what he says. Commit your ways to the Lord. 
Trust in him and he will do this. What will God do for us? He will make your righteousness shine like the dawn, the justice of your cause like the noonday sun. Be still before the Lord and wait patiently for him. Do not fret when men succeed in their ways, when they carry out their wicked schemes. Refrain from anger and turn from wrath. Do not fret, it leads only to evil. So let's, let's analyze this. What lessons can we learn from this passage, verses 5 through 8? Well, I've, I found four that I'd like to share with you. First of all, meek people begin by trusting God. You know, when you're first baptized or first become a Christian, your thoughts are, okay, I, I guess I'll give this a try. I believe in God. I believe in Jesus as my Savior. Uh, I've, I'm going to repent of my sins, and I'm going to trust in God. And, and it's like, you know, sticking one toe in the bath water to see how hot it is. You know, I'll give it a try. I'm, I'm going to hope for the best. But the longer you're a Christian, the more you take trust in God for granted. You know that he's in charge. He's in charge of your life. He's in charge of all of our lives. He's in control of what happens in this world. So meek people begin by trusting God. They believe that he will work for them and vindicate them when others oppose them. And biblical meekness is rooted in a deep confidence that God is for you and not against you. Now, some people get the wrong impression, and they think that God is like a genie in a bottle. And all you have to do is rub the bottle and, and ask God for your wish, and he's bound to grant it. But after a while, you find out that God doesn't work that way. He's, a, he's not a genie that we just call upon and say the right words, and somehow he's bound to answer our prayers just the way we want him to, at just the right time that we want him to. No, God is not a genie in the bottle. God is God, and we're not God. <laughs> we're human. We're his children. But God is for you, and he's not against you. So he's like the perfect father or the perfect parent you know, you don't give your kids everything they ask for. In your heart of hearts, you'd like to, but you know sometimes it's not in their best interest to get that. And you don't want them to think that uh, you've got to give them everything they ask for. I know when, when our kids got their first car, they had to work for it. <laughs> and they bought, you know, just a beater or a cheap car until they could afford something better. And they appreciated it more. This was their car. They worked hard for it. Now, some parents have the means to buy their kids a new BMW or a new Mercedes or something like that, and that's fine. I mean, that's their family. They run it the way they, they feel best. But God, even though he's not going to grant you all of your wishes, he knows your heart. He knows what's best for you. And sometimes God's answer is no. Sorry, no, you don't understand why now, but sometime in the future, you'll understand why I'm answering your prayer in this way. Sorry to disappoint you, but I know what's best for you. So meek people begin by trusting God. Secondly, meek people, that's what we want to be, 
commit their way to the Lord. Meek people have proven that God is trustworthy, so they bring their businesses before the Lord. They bring their relationships before the Lord, their health, their fears, their frustrations. They bring all these things before him in prayer. And it's almost the attitude that God, I don't know what's best for me. I seem to be stumbling along the way, suffering a lot of disappointments. Things aren't working out in my life. Lord, I want to put them in your hands. And I trust you know what's best for me. And I, I say, you know, please work it out. And I know you're always going to work out what's best for me. I mentioned before that when I was a single guy looking for a wife, I you know, was frustrated with relationships and things didn't always go the best and I didn't find somebody that I thought I was going to marry uh, and I put it in his hands. I said, Lord, you know all of the available young ladies out there. You know me. Can you somehow put me in touch with a woman who's going to be right for me and I'm going to be right for her? And you know what? He did exactly that. And we've been married going on 45 years now. And just very happily, happily married. She is a strong Christian. I'm doing my best to be a strong Christian. And I'm glad I married her. And I thank God every day. So a meek person admits that they're insufficient to cope with the complexities and pressures and obstacles in life. And they trust God that he is able and willing to sustain them and guide them and protect them. So that's meekness, okay? They begin by trusting God. They commit their way to the Lord. Thirdly, meek people are quiet and still before the Lord as they wait for him to act in their lives. Patient. You know, once you put things in God's hands, you trust that he knows the situation. He's working out what's best and you just wait for him. Meek people have a kind of steady calm that comes from knowing and loving God and that he has their affairs under control. You know, a month and a half ago when I went to the hospital for surgery, it was a pretty serious operation. Uh, bypass in my leg for a blood clot and uh, aneurysm. But you know what, I didn't have any fears. I didn't have any anxiety. They wheeled me into the operation room and as I had previously told God, Lord, I'm your son. I'm one of your children and I know that you're going to be with me helping the doctors, helping the healing, helping the recovery. And I, I went in there without that fear and anxiety knowing that I have put my life in God's hands from the time I was first baptized. And he's going to be there for me. We know that he gives grace generously and work, will work things out for the best. So number four, meek people do not fret when the wicked prosper. And that happens a lot in this world. You know, uh, again, I don't want to get into politics or anything like that. But, you know, we watch the news and we see sometimes that uh, 
people who appear to be evil or appear to be, you know, this or that, seem to be doing really well in this world. So we're, we're reminded this is not God's world. Meekness does not lead to frustration, anger, and revenge when faced with opposition and setbacks. And so much of the entertainment, whether it be movies or most TV shows, have to do exactly with that. Frustration, anger, revenge. You know, people shooting at one another, murdering one another, seeking revenge from one another. But we're not to be like that. So I think that this psalm gives a lot of good help pointing out to us what exactly is meekness. You know, Jesus admitted that he was meek. And he wasn't boasting because he is meek. <laughs> he was the one the night before his crucifixion, instead of going, you know, bonkers and freaking out and being on anxiety, you know, he was the one who knelt down and washed the disciples' feet. Can you imagine if you or I were about to be crucified the next day? That's the last thing we'd probably be thinking about, showing ourselves a servant and setting an example for all of us to follow. Let's turn to Matthew 11 and verse 29. Matthew 11 and verse 29, Jesus speaking here, he encourages, encourages us all. He says, take on my yoke upon you. Now, what is a yoke? Okay, a yoke was a device used on cattle when you were plowing a field. You wanted these two uh, steers or whatever you would call them to pull the plow because you were the farmer out plowing your field and you had to hook up these animals together so that they would work in unison. And that's a yoke that was put over their heads, and here's the other one over here so that they would walk, that they would obey you and plow the field as you desire. So being a disciple of Jesus Christ is, in a sense, working with him and having a yoke that you put on yourself. Now, the Old Testament was a yoke, a difficult yoke, because it was based on legalism and so many laws that you had to keep. Jesus says, my yoke, you know, having come away from the Old Testament and the Old Covenant, and it was actually called a, a ministry of death because nobody could keep all the laws listed in the Old Covenant. So that came to an end, and now Jesus, under the terms of the New Covenant, yeah, we're to wear a yoke as we work with, with Jesus carrying out the Great Commission. But he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me, for I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. So compared to, you know, that's why I'm so happy to be a part of the New Covenant and not the Old Covenant. Because if you stepped out of the line under the terms of the Old Covenant and broke the Sabbath or, you know, worshipped a, a pagan god, you'd be put to death. And the whole history of ancient Israel is strewn with dead bodies from the time of slavery in Egypt through the wandering in the desert on the way to the Promised Land for 40 years. It's nothing but death and dead bodies. 
you know, of all, up to a million people who came out of Egypt at the time of the Exodus, when they finally got to the promised land, that whole first generation that came out of Egypt at the Exodus died. There were only two people that survived from that first generation of the Exodus to enter into the promised land. Who knows who they were? Joshua and Caleb, excellent. But the rest of that whole generation died because they lived under the terms of the old covenant and because they disobeyed God and worshiped pagan gods. Jesus says, listen, become a follower of me. It's not hard. It, it's truly not hard. It's not rocket science. All you have to do is humble yourself, repent of your sins, realize that you need a savior, okay? And here is the savior who gave his life on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. So Jesus says, all you have to do is accept me as your savior. And you know what? You're going to inherit the earth as a member of the kingdom of God. Let's turn to Ephesians 4 and verse 1, because not only are we to be meek before God, but we as Christians, and as Jesus did, are to be meek before other people. That's, this is what makes us stand out as Christians in this fallen society. We act differently. You know, people might shake their head and think we're crazy, but you know what? People also persecuted Jesus during his earthly ministry. And uh, he didn't let that change his mind. He said, if they persecuted me, they're going to persecute you. Now, why would we be persecuted? Because in this crazy world of uh, anger and revenge and murder, we're going to remain meek, trusting in God. Paul says in Ephesians 4, beginning in verse 1, I urge you to live a life worth or worthy of the calling you have received. Be completely humble and gentle. Be patient, bearing with one another in love. Now, most times people would think, you know what, if I'm completely humble and gentle and patient and bearing with one another in love, people are gonna run roughshod over me in this world. And you know what? That could happen. But God has also made us wise as serpents, the scripture says, because I don't know that much about snakes, but I guess that they have a certain wisdom, okay? Young man, she's back in the kitchen. <laughs> Go back in the kitchen by mama. Excuse me. We had a little one wandering around the room. So God has also given us wisdom to be smart and to avoid situations where we might by chance be taken advantage of. But sometimes we're gonna be taken advantage of, just as Jesus was. Sometimes you're gonna to try to do good deeds for people and they're going to not thank you. And you're gonna feel hurt, thinking, I went out on my way to help that person and I, I you know, did my best and they didn't even say thank you. Oh well. I don't think there's too many people who said thank you to Jesus. You know, when he was up on the cross, dying to pay the penalty for our sins, I didn't read anything in scripture of anybody who went up to him at that time and said, we just wanna thank you for what you're doing for us. 
I don't think that there were any thanks. And I think that's just the way of this world, that people don't thank God. And I think for the most part, people don't believe in God or believe that he ever existed or that Jesus was God or anything like that. So this is the way we should live in this world. We should walk worthy of the calling we've received by being completely humble and gentle. Think about your, your marriage relationship. Are you completely humble and gentle toward your mate all the time? Do you really strive to be that way? Even though you may feel hurt or you may feel uh, rejected or neglected? How about patience? Are you patient at work with other people? Patient with your boss? Bearing with one another, what does that mean? Bearing with one another. It means putting up with a lot of trash that might come your way. Not seeking revenge, not getting up in somebody else's face because you felt hurt by them or offended by them. This is what it means to be a Christian. Meekness toward others. It goes completely against the way of this world. <laughs> but that's what Christianity is. Jesus was completely different from the society that he came to at the time of his earthly ministry. And he took a lot of persecution for it, but he said, stand steadfast. This is the way I want you to be. And don't forget, we are all now being transformed into the likeness of Jesus Christ. And that's God's doing in our lives. And we're not going to build any of this in our lives without God's involvement. Praise God. We can't bring this about by ourselves. We can't change to be meek just by going to counselors and psychiatrists and things like that. This is the work of God in our lives. Only God can change people. And glory be to God for the progress we've made. And I can tell you, before being called as a Christian, I was more like this, these antonyms, arrogance, conceit, pride, combativeness, haughtiness, aggressiveness, and craftiness. I was more like that than I was gentleness, mildness, spirit of humility. This is God's work in each of us. And all glory goes to him. It goes to him. One final scripture in 1 Peter chapter 1. I wanted to focus on the meekness part of it, but there's also the statement, blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the world, inherit the earth. Does, does that statement not blow you away? Well, the Bible tells us that Jesus has inherited everything from his Father, everything. What does that mean? Well, everything. <laughs> Everything that you could conceivably think of, Jesus has now inherited it. And we, as the sons and daughters of God, will share in his inheritance. The scripture says we are co-heirs with Jesus. So everything that Jesus has inherited or has been given by the Father, we are going to share in it along with Jesus, not because of anything good we've done to deserve it, but because he became one of us, he became our substitute, 
and we are now included. The righteousness we have is his righteousness that he has given to us. He's credited to us. Uh, the forgiveness of our sins, we only have that through God's grace and what Jesus accomplished on our behalf. So we don't deserve any of this, but notice what Peter says, 1 Peter 1, beginning in verse 3. Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead. And listen to this. And into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade, kept in heaven for you. So when Jesus returns, we're going to receive our reward, and it's going to be fantastic. Scripture says, eye has not seen, ear has not heard, nor has even entered into the mind or the heart of humans what God has in store for us. So our reward is now being kept in heaven for us, verse 5, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is ready to be revealed in the last time. So if Jesus now has everything that God the Father has given him, authority over angels, authority over the earth, we've got a whole universe that is somehow someday going to be used by God, and who knows what his plans are for the entire universe, but we are co-heirs with Jesus Christ. All because of God, not because of us. All because of his grace, his mercy. So that makes us want to get in line here and walk according to the Holy Spirit, and if God is trying to build meekness into our lives, so be it. Let's get in step and follow along. And all we can do, you can do, I can do, is look at your personal life and, and ask yourself where, in what relationship or in what situation am I coming across as arrogant, conceited, prideful, combativeness, haughtiness, aggressiveness, craftiness, and there's a lot more antonyms, <laughs> words that mean the opposite of meekness. And when you find yourself doing something like that, repent. Just go, Lord, I'm sorry. I, I didn't realize I still had this attitude in me, this sinful attitude, fallen attitude. Take it out of my life. And then go to the person that you just offended by your arrogance or whatever and apologize. If you can. To show God you really mean it. So daily, be looking at your life. And uh, when you see the negative of meekness, ask God to root it out. Apologize for it. Repent of it. And uh, show God that you're all in favor of the work he's doing for you and changing you and transforming you to the likeness of Jesus Christ.